This podcast is not meant to be informative or educational and has the potential to be completely irrelevant. This is Property Jam. Hello. Hello and welcome to this episode of Property Jam, the podcast where we talk about everything on the human side of property and we are honoured to have a very special guest with us today. So Matt, who have we got here? So we have Roland, uh, alternatively known as Bricks and Daughters. Uh, and uh, Roland, how would you describe yourself? Who are you? Um, yes, let, let our listeners <laughs> Who are you? Who are you? <laughs> Hey guys, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. It's a great pleasure. Um, so yeah, Roland Roland Simons. I live in South London, and I run a company called Sanctum London, which is a property investment company. So we are quite quite new, two years two years in, and our sort of our phase one sort of growth is about HMOs. So establishing some good sort of cash flow in the business. And then we will be diversifying probably into sort of multi-unit freehold blocks in the next sort of year or two. But we haven't put sort of very tight times around that sort of stuff yet. Um, so, yeah, uh, we invest in South London. We live in South London. Uh, one wife, two daughters, one dog. And prior to property uh, career in investment banking, um, advising oil and gas companies. Wow. Mm-hmm. Very different. That's a big change. No, I, I'd like to just focus on, on probably the most important thing there. Um, what's it like having daughters? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I am quite outnumbered in this house. Uh, four to one female male ratio. So, um, oh, classic the dog as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, no, I mean, look, I don't have a, I don't have a comparison point on the sons versus daughters, but having kids has definitely, it's definitely changed the way, that I've thought about, you know, things and life in general. And that was probably quite a big catalyst for, you know, moving into or moving away from the corporate sort of career and starting doing something for myself. Not that I knew the property was going to be that thing, but Mm. um, having a sort of a, having more control over one's own time really was, uh, became quite apparent that was going to be important once we started having kids. Mm. I think it's really interesting that um, you started your property, you kind of, business and career um after you've had your after you've had two children yeah um and yes yeah, so obviously that that then is is the norm i'm really intrigued to see how it's going to shift because obviously i've had five years of property investing with no children no attachments so um obviously that's, that's shifted a little bit about me but um yeah trying to see how that's going to affect and what it's like to have um kids and property because i've got my ne- nephew my nephew's a property owner vicariously through through family right. my nephews um but yeah yeah i mean i think that for example you know when i was starting out thinking about property investing it was quite clear to me that i would want to try and do it close to where i live because yeah i was going to want to reduce that sort of travel time involved in um you know particularly with projects uh refurb going back and forth so and that was again pretty much informed by having a family so you know that's the sort of thing where you know it may change the way that you kind of look at things I suppose once you have got uh, once you have got a baby I think we've, we've already started that kind of uh, thought process I hadn't really put it or put a pin in it like that but um um yeah I am definitely thinking of being involved in projects close to home 
Um, and then we just send Niall on the road, don't we? <laughs> Pretty much. Right. Yeah. Just get rid of me. Send me out. Set to work. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> Oh, well, definitely that's where Niall is, is most effective when he's not sitting in an office. Yeah, it's really exciting. I mean, it's true, actually. That's your strength, isn't it? It's being out and about in the field, talking yeah. to, to networking and, and sort of putting yourself out there, building contacts. I'm secretly hoping that um, the Boris's announcement tomorrow will give us a little bit of a, you know, a bit of freedom so I can get out and do something. <laughs> Set you loose. Set me loose, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so you, so South London. I mean, I live in South London, so yeah. just big big up the the South London representation on the podcast today. That's feeling up, feeling yeah. solidarity, it's great. I'm feeling outnumbered here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who are you? Yeah, but it's. I mean, obviously, you 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 chose to do HMOs close to home in South London. How have yeah. you found the HMO market in South London? I'm intrigued, actually. Um. Well, I think there's a few different, so there's the kind of the sourcing and, you know, make, finding deals that stack. And then there's, you know, do you mean sort of more like the rental market, like the, the demand yeah. for rooms or yeah, more? Demand, sort of, yeah, The demand's pretty, I mean, so, you know what it's like in London, you know, people are obsessed with the transport connection. So, you know, you have to be, you have to have something that's close to, um, you know, a some tube sort of station. public transport, whether that's a tube or a train. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's train stations, you know, anything that's close to, Anything that's close to the tube, which in our case would be the Northern Line, is you know materially more expensive. So, so we look for things that are sort of more on you know train lines that that have direct lines into Victoria and London Bridge and those kind of places. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and you know there are ways of getting onto the tube on those lines as well. So, so there's plenty of demand for those sorts of um, for those sorts of places. I think it's it is competitive. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of supply, um, but most of it isn't of a particularly high standard. Um, so yeah, we haven't found, you know, we found that, you know, providing sort of, you know, higher end ensuite rooms, um, has been, you know, there's, there's plenty of demand for that. Um, and, you know, we are sort of looking at, you know, mostly, you know, white collar professionals, um, who are commuting into, into town. And then we have some other tenants that are more sort of working in and around the local area who are more likely to be sort of teachers and doctors and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Do you know, it's the same story across the country, isn't it, though? It's, yeah. it's, everyone is willing to pay more. And, you know, the demand for good, high-quality housing stock versus the crap stuff that's out there is, is a pretty standard message, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and I mean, we have a mix of tenants. I mean, it's, it's, it, does, it does tend to skew quite young. Um, but, you know, we also have some older tenants um, who, you know, are just looking to downsize maybe temporarily or, or permanently um but yeah it tends to be sort of younger professionals you know recent graduates who are you know kind of kind of looking to you know i suppose carry on that you know the way they've been living at university really and they're moving to london and they don't have a sort of a social network here so they want to kind of you know live in a live in a shared house where they'll know people and it's also more affordable um and then we also have people who are maybe a little bit older you know they're not fresh out of university but they're they're moving from some, you know, they might be moving from another part of the country for a job and where they currently live, you know, they can afford to rent, you know, a one or two bed flat maybe, but then they come to London and yes, their earnings are going up a bit, but the, you know, the, the cost of living is quite a lot higher as well. So they will, they will also look at an HMO, particularly for the, you know, particularly for the first sort of six months, 12 months, because, you know, there is that kind of bedding in period where, they're not necessarily quite sure whether they're going to whether this move's going to work out, right? Yeah, that's and, a good you know, point. The HMO kind of tenancy is, is very flexible in that respect, so they can kind of like dip their toe in the water 
and you know if it doesn't work out then then you know they're not sort of over committed to a long tenancy and having to unwind you know council tax bills and all that kind of stuff but yeah that i mean these are the things which are common to you know hmo professional hmos all over the country i imagine yeah amazing but i think yeah. i think there is definitely that um the dipping the toe in the water is people moving to the big city, moving to the yeah. capital. Um, that is something which, again, you don't get as much of in the smaller cities. Um, I think people generally can find themselves being moved to a city for work yeah. um, rather than making a choice, go, right, I'm going to go to London and yeah, that's where the work is. So that's really interesting. Mm. Um, but potentially a little bit too informative. Sorry about that. <laughs> Randomly, I'm just this. If, if I land on the floor through this recording, don't be alarmed because this screw fell out of my office chair the other day and I don't know where it goes back in. Wait, that happens to me all the time, right? Screws just fall out of stuff and then nothing falls over and you're just like, well, I yeah. guess we didn't need that one then. So it's, it's been about, <laughs> the day we did our mastermind, Matt, was the day that this fell out. And yeah. I'm like, I've seen, I, I was surprised I got through the mastermind. It just, it just nothing's happened. <laughs> so if we lose you if we're a man down at some point during this podcast we know what's happened yeah well, that's my random thought for today Love it. <laughs> you're a screw loose i literally i've got an extra screw oh <laughs> uh, if the screw falls out just give it a go and see whether it still works we've not yet asked the uh, the oh. fundamental question um of all of our property jam guests and so roland um what does the human side of property mean to you yeah well so i was saying to you before that i have actually listened to most of your episodes but i forgot we like, we like this but like i this. forgot that this is a question that you tend to ask so oh, I damn he's prepared to off the hoop. um so yeah human side of property i mean i think that one of the things that i find really interesting is because i'm generally buying you know regular residential stock so from um you know just normal people who want to sell their home sometimes they're um, not normal but yeah yeah well that's the thing right how normal <laughs> is a normal person right. so um you know it is interesting the sort of psychology that is involved in that because you know you're not necessarily because we're investors so we look at things in a more sort of you know hopefully logical rational way but that isn't the same as the person on the other side of the table in this situation um plus you're being filled everything's getting filtered through an agent but you know, it's um, so I think that kind of um, when you sort of, you know, you start off doing your analysis on your computer and, you know, you sack the deal and it all looks fine. And then, you know, you get into the offer and negotiation phase and suddenly you collide with, yeah, just, a, a, you know, a human being with emotions and potentially some quite strong emotions attached to their home or the situation which is causing them to sell their home. Um and you know that can be quite tricky i mean like we had one last year which was a couple that was unfortunately divorcing quite acrimoniously and the conveyancing process took months and months longer than it should have done purely because they couldn't agree between themselves what was going to happen to the money when it completed um and they were so they had to sort of agree between themselves on that split um and they wouldn't exchange until they had that agreement because they were like as soon as when it wants the money's in we're just going to have a fight so it was uh so yeah you're kind of like um you're 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 slightly and there's nothing you can do about that particularly so you're kind of at the whim of um or at the mercy of people's kind of whims and and emotions and things which which can be interesting um so yeah i think probably it's that that was that was one of the first things that came to mind but i mean obviously 
you know it's really all you know it's really all kind of humans isn't it um mm. dealing with your dealing with all your suppliers and your builders and your tenants and you know particularly with hmos obviously the kind of the customer service experience is is a lot you know is is, is quite intense um at times as well so do you manage all your of all of your hmos then no so i don't currently but i did to begin with because before i sort of outsourced that i wanted to kind of know a bit about what it was actually like so i could you know yeah interview agents properly yeah. um so at the moment I, I use an agent um while the portfolio is still growing you know once that gets to a stage where it's more sort of settled um then I'll probably kind of re-insource that not for myself to do but for a sort of you know a staff member to to help with yeah, um sense. but I just thought that if I employ someone directly then when the portfolio is still growing it might not be suitable for them in 12 months time like they might not have enough time for it so so that's the kind of the way that I've gone at the moment but yeah it was uh I, I'm not gonna lie like I might you know although it's important to me that we provide like a really good service and that we're good landlords the actual kind of the nitty-gritty of the tenant interaction is not my favorite part of it to be honest so is it anyone's favorite bit I mean come on <laughs> some, people, some people seem to I mean if you believe what they say on Instagram they seem to but it's true lies for me I, I'm more sort of analytical and I prefer the kind of you know the sourcing and the deal and that sort of thing to the kind of the, yeah. the management parts of it to be fair well it's interesting because um, with dealing with tenants, if you get the right tenants, they're really easy to deal with. But in a portfolio of, of properties, you're going to have the problem tenants. Uh, and um, what, what, you know, in my mind, the, the dealing with 100 tenants, you're constantly dealing with the problems rather than dealing with all, you know, all the niceties. Um, so yeah, I think I think you're right. You know, we I managed uh, for about 20 tenants um, before we got an agent in, and it was it was a pain in the backside um because i'm similar to you i like to go out and then get the deals get the deals done move on um, and i want the customers to have an amazing experience but again i don't necessarily want to be involved in it day to day yeah um, i want someone who's going to care about them um but which is not necessarily the agent either because i think um, yeah and i mean to be fair you know it's not just you know you do get the occasional problem tenant but a lot of the thing a lot of the sort of the problems that need to be solved they're not really it's not caused by difficult tenants it's just you know the normal things that arise you know in any with any tenant particular but particularly potentially in hmos you know there there is a bit more wear and tear and things things get broken they need a new toaster yeah. um you know all this kind of stuff so yeah there's um it's just kind of you know it's just managing you know managing a business i mean it's not as intense as service accommodation which is basically running a hotel in my view but it's still you know it's, it's still, you know you still got to provide a level of service um that's kind of you know in keeping with well a your values and b you know what they expect from what you know they're paying for it you know they're paying for a kind of like an all-inclusive sort of easier way of life so you know they expect things to be fixed you know when they go wrong right um which is which is fine which is reasonable but you know it can be that suddenly on a sunday they need something done which you don't necessarily want to do yourself <laughs> <laughs> but also on a sunday they shouldn't expect things to be done there's like um yeah, that's just, yeah. Yeah. So I remember, I can't remember whether um, I mentioned this. I probably mentioned this on a podcast earlier, but um, yeah, we had the Christmas Day incident. Oh, God, that was one of my favourite conversations. <laughs> What's this? Well, on, on Christmas Day, for about three, four years ago now, uh, we had the very first HMO and we were self managing it and got a message from the tenant saying that the, um, the heating had stopped working. And we were having issues with the boiler. You know, there was um, losing pressure. And there were, you know, we had these um, three out of the five tenants were in 
and uh, they were just complaining that it was getting cold. Um, it's Christmas Day. It's freezing outside. And we're just thinking, so me and my dad are sitting there having just got this message at about half past 10 in the morning going, right, well, we haven't cracked open the, the, the Prosecco yet. yet. Um, <laughs> 10 o'clock? What was wrong with you? Yes, late start. So, we only had a lie, lie in and you get, you get your <laughs> champagne breakfast. But um, yeah, we hadn't quite cracked it open. And we thought, well, um, it's getting really cold. You know, we want it to be OK. Um, and we just thought, well, if we don't do anything about it, we're going to have a drink. We can't go out and drive over there, and that because when we were living up in Warrington, and um, we just thought we can't, we can't just leave it because we, it's going to be playing on our minds the whole day, and they're going to, just going to keep complaining, and, and it's going to get worse and worse. We thought, right, let's jump in the car, took a bottle of wine over, and um, walked into the house, and it's like a bloody sauna. Uh, <laughs> these, these guys are from Romania and have been used to having, uh, I don't know what what temperature, but it was like a sauna. Yes, the, the um, radiators had turned off. And the, the system had lost pressure, so we repressurized it. Gave them, gave them a bottle of wine, say, apologise. The, the, there was an issue with the boiler, um, and there was a leak that got fixed the next um, uh, day after Boxing Day. But yeah, I wish they could have survived that day. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, I get um, you know the, the common one that I get is you know the, uh, someone complains about the broadband. And by the time you've got over there to test it, it's back up again. And it's like, yeah. yeah, well, sometimes Virgin goes down for an hour. Like that happens, you know, once every two or three months. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, there are some, sometimes it's, um, it's not a completely leg legitimate complaint. Yeah. But. Yeah. We, I think uh, I very rarely hear from our management agents with uh, issues unless it's the broadband. As soon as the broadband goes <laughs> down, then they're on to us straight away. Everything else, it can wait till next week. <laughs> Electricity, <laughs> gas, it's no worries. Fine. It's just a well, I had quite a funny one the other day, actually, which was that um, it turned out that when I'd, with when you start a new Virgin uh, account, it uh, it puts the child lock on automatically, so it filters out any um, sort of adult content. Um, and I didn't realize this and I got a, I got a message and this has like been going on for months without even, even knowing. And we eventually got a message from one of our tenants who was, they were trying to buy, they were trying to sort of stock up on some things from Ann Summers for a hen party. That's the story they told you. That's the, well, that's this the is the thing. <laughs> so, so I was like, I'm surprised that we haven't heard from one of the guys before about this. <laughs> um, but, you know, everyone's got a lot of data on their mobile phone, I suppose. Well, yeah, there is that, yeah. yeah well, we, we had that um, very early on. It was on our, it's the same house and the same tenants. Um, they were like, come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Turn the child lock off. Uh, because it also, because uh, it was linked to the Virgin uh, TV package as well that they had. And they couldn't watch any movie that was over uh, past nine o'clock. So the watershed, so they couldn't watch anything which was like 18 um, so it wasn't just the fact that they couldn't watch you know, porn. It was um, the fact that, uh, yeah, they couldn't watch any movies because of the is child Is this the lock. first time we've talked about porn on the podcast? I think podcast. it is. I think it um, is. We've talked about, well, we've talked about students' sorry. sexual activity. We have. Oh, yeah, we have. Yeah, that's right. Target yeah. practice and such things. Yeah, But no, trust Roland to bring up porn. Yeah, sorry about <laughs> yeah. that. Well, well, I mean, it wasn't, yeah, it was my tenants, really. But yeah. 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 <laughs> but also, but we, I've realised it's very, very difficult on Virgin to... Um, because what we did was we gave them a pin to be able to get in so they could use the pin number uh, to watch the movies. But also that's the same pin which allows them to buy premium content. Oh, right. 
Um, so some of them take advantage of it. And um, so, yeah, we, we keep changing. Well, we give them, give them a little bit of responsibility. So, yes, you can use the pin to watch uh, movies after nine o'clock. Um, but as long as you don't use it to buy premium content. Um, and then there was one tenant that we just just took advantage of it month after month. So we just had to take away again. And they say, well, we can't watch movies. And I say, well, you <laughs> that's like dealing with children. So you give, you give them a little bit of responsibility and they abuse them, it and you have to take, yeah. take it back. Do you, um, do, you, do you build that into the AST now? Or is that, because you could, I suppose. Um, yeah, we, we haven't really had any complaints. Probably because they are using mobile data when yeah. when they want to do something. And, you know, we have we have given them responsibility now. Yeah, and they're not taking the mic at the moment. So they do have the pin number. But yeah, Virgin's not really well set up, even though we use Virgin for everything because of the, the, the speeds that we can get. Um, but yeah, it, it's not set up well to have that, to have the barriers in the right place. Yeah, totally. That's mm. weird. Yeah. I've got two questions in my brain. Put them in your mouth. I'm going to let them come out. The first one is why did you get into property? Because yeah. we haven't really touched on that. So that's the first question. The second one that flew into my head was actually just kind of going back to what you said about the human side of property and the vendor's emotions. Because we've not touched on that at all, really, I don't think, boys, have we? In any podcast? No, that could be an episode in and of itself. Yeah, it, thank in, and you. Of in and of itself. In and of itself. <laughs> one done. But so, yeah, so the first one, um, the second one was more of a reflection. The first question was, why property? Why did you do it and leave the world of like the corporate world? Why? Yeah. So, well, I think leaving property, it wasn't, it wasn't a case of, it, you know, it had to be property. So, first of all, it was wanting to, you know, run my own business, really. Um, and, yeah have have you know be in charge of my own sort of destiny in that sense i suppose um you know the job was a very good job but it was very intense at the same time and so you know there was a lot of uh late nights and conference calls on the weekend and travel and all that kind of stuff so i think yeah very you know between my wife and i we were we were quite keen to sort of make a change around that um i actually started another business before property um which has since which i've since closed down and I think what that made me realise is that I wanted something which was going to be, um, uh, how can I put this? I didn't want to grow a real, you know, I didn't want to grow a business with a big team of people and, you know, have lots of moving parts and be sort of having to manage, you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of that kind of stuff. And what I realised about property is that, you know, it's very practical business for a sort of a solo or small entrepreneur uh, because that sort of infrastructure to outsource stuff is kind of all there. I mean, and I don't mean to the extent of sort of VAs and stuff. I just mean, you know, your lot. You know, you you, have, you can have a lawyer and you use him and you pay him when you need him, yeah. and your accountant and your builders and all this kind of stuff and that and architects etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And that ecosystem for you know somebody who is whose role is to basically kind of you know bring everything together, um, you know, including the money is you know that's quite a sort of you know that's a that's quite a sort of practical well well-worn path that you know to go down um and then i suppose the other thing is you know and we always you know we all know it's not passive but the point is that you know it is recurring income so you know once there is once that initial piece of work has been done bringing a project together um you know as long as you maintain it and you reinvest appropriately you know that is going to produce income over a long time so basically you know it's asset based rather than 
you know, most businesses which are more based upon, you know, an idea or some sort of intellectual property, which, or a brand, um, which, you know, needs, you know, a lot more sort of, you know, constant tending to. Um, I knew the first business I started was, you know, it was, it was in the nutrition space. It was selling products online. Um, and, you know, in that business, if you or whoever was running your Facebook ads took a few days off, yeah. forget about it. Yeah. So, you know, it needs like constant tendering um, in a way that, uh, you know, property doesn't necessarily. Mm, interesting. I really liked your comment on recurring income, not passive income. Cause that's so <laughs> just, I wrote yeah. it down. I'm going to use that. That's so good. Cause Helen Chorley, uh, who we interviewed on our, uh, on episode 33, the last podcast episode said exactly the same thing. I mean, she was coming at it from an investment perspective and she said, little did I know this whole idea of it just being a passive relationship to the, the developments that I'm investing in. It's not true. It's, it's, it's completely hands-on partly because of her personality type she likes to be involved partly because it's not really the nature of property in so many ways and I think when you're in the kind of business that we're in you feel that don't you you really feel how involved you have to be and how how recurring the income is but there's a it's it's like that isn't it yeah <laughs> it's interesting yeah. because pe pe people want there's any, there's, there isn't any such thing as passive income really like I just can't I just can't see anything that is truly passive I mean you know you could put all your money in a FTSE tracker yeah. And I suppose theoretically, if you had no interest in keeping an eye on that, that would be 100% passive. But, you know, most people who have got just, you know, a share portfolio will be monitoring that on some sort of basis. Um, so, yeah, there's nothing that's truly passive and obviously property isn't. But, you know, it's still it is more passive than some things. You know, it's more passive than selling your time for money. Yeah. Um, and that's the recurring aspect of it, I suppose. You know, there's a lot of upfront investment, not just of money, but of time. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, after that, there is a bit more of a sort of payback period of money and time. That's interesting yeah. because so many people want passive income uh, and they think, oh, property is the way to get passive income. Um, but, but actually, it's, it's almost that people want lazy income. And yeah. if you, go, if you want, go for lazy income, you get lazy returns. Mm. Uh, and it's the people that don't actively go out there to get passive income that actually end up getting it. So people that will go out and they'll spend the time and invest the time and you know, raise the money or invest their money um, with a purpose um, are the ones that actually find they have the passive income over the long term. Uh, and it's the people that try and are constantly looking for that passive income that will never actually get it mm, because true. they, they uh, yeah, associate it with being a lazy income. Therefore, they don't put the yeah, they, they have a lazy attitude to it. Yeah. I think we should play a game. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> I'm ready. So I'm ready, Roland. You, I'm ready. Well, I'm ready. You, you've, listened, you've listened to the podcast, so you know what this is about anyway. But we're going to do a podcast roulette. So I'm going to scroll through the episodes that we've released so far, and you say stop at any point, and okay. then you just give us your views or your thoughts on whatever topic I end up on. Okay. Okay? Just completely off your head. Out, off your head? Off the top of your head. <laughs> Are you high, Roland? Yeah. I'm not You're... off my face or off my head, no. <laughs> we're a screw loose, but we're not off our heads. Got it. <laughs> okay, so whenever you want. Have you started? Okay. Yeah. Stop. Ooh. Interesting. Episode 23, Rent to Rent versus Investing. Discuss. Discuss. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So, well, I've never done any so rent. I can hear the rent. excitement. I know, look at the face on it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I've never done rent to rent, so I, w- I wouldn't be speaking from experience on this. I think that um, it seems to be, I mean, you, spoke, you just spoke about passive income. I mean, you know, rent to rent is, is pretty, it's pretty hard work, isn't it? And um, I mean, this, this, this is all hard work, but I think that, you know, that is, it's really just a different form of being a lettings agent is my view on rent to rent. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. with you on that one. Um, yeah. With, you know, a bit more financial exposure in both directions. So, you know, if you have a house that you've got, you know, you're guaranteed to pay the rent on it and you've got, you know, one or two voids and you turn it into HMO and now you've got one or two voids, you're losing money. Well, a lettings agent never loses money on a property, really. They just don't get paid. Whereas if you and if you run it really well and you've got a high occupancy, then you know you'll make more than the lettings agent will. So it's the same, but it's the same fundamental job. You know, you're managing the property, you're making sure it's full, and all that kind of stuff. You've just got a wider range of kind of financial outcomes there. Yeah. Um, I think that you know, for me, you know, it's the problem is that going back to recurring income, it's fundamentally not recurring because you know that that that. Uh, that tenancy or that uh, that contract you've got over that property is going to come to an end at some point. And, you know, whether that's three years or five years, or even if you're lucky and it kind of keeps rolling in 10 years or something, you know, it's still not, um, it's still not an asset that you own, which is going to be kind of generating that sort of, you know, some form of income, you know, forever until you decide to dispose of it. So it wasn't something that I was particularly attracted to. Um, but, you know, I can see that, um, I can see that for some people it's a good entry point. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's kind of, I suppose that's, those are my sort of high level thoughts on that one. Cool. No, no, I, I agree. I agree with that. Um, you don't, you know, ne- you never own the property when you're doing rent to rent. You never have, you don't have that asset for the future. So it is a good starting point. It does bring in the income, but it's definitely not passive. But I suppose <laughs> um, some people would say it is, you know, if you haven't got, if you haven't got much cash to start off with, it's the, it's the best entry point. So is that what you guys think or? We, we when we talked about it in this episode we 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 touched upon this actually on the last episode with helen it's very much a business isn't it it's as opposed to sort of a, a strategy that's what it feels like you're very good you're going to be hands-on it doesn't really feel overly passive um but i know it works for so many and it's going to be very interesting because we're going to have jack wicks uh, i don't know if you've seen jack on on instagram he's yeah. actually used it in quite an interesting way um, yeah. even on the commercial side of things to actually access um commercial units so i, I want a different perspective on it because my view is very similar to yours it's not something that i see as particularly passive or or appealing um yeah i guess when you when you've when you've grown that business when you get it to a certain level then you can outsource a lot of the jobs yeah, I think that's the thing, isn't it? Like you can't, you, you can't, uh, you can't have a couple of houses and employ an agent because it will just take no, all the margin away. So yeah. you have, you can only really do it if you want to do it long term. You've got to do it at scale. Yeah. And if you want to do it, and otherwise, I think it's, I think it's probably quite a good way of building a bit of a property CV to then segue into joint ventures. Like that would be mm. my. That'd that's be my, true. Yeah, yeah, that's an angle on it. Yeah. Cool. Okay, I'm gonna go again. I'm, st- I'm scrolling. Okay. Oh, no nonsense. Love it. Episode 17. Oh, guilty pleasures. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. oh, there we go. <laughs> oh. um, guilty pleasure in property. Guilty pleasures in property. I mean, so I'm really into the sort of interior design side of it. And that was probably the my sort of earliest interest in property was probably more on the sort of interior design side. So, um, 
Well, design generally. So, you know, the sort of the home makeover shows and grand designs and that sort of stuff. Um, So I suppose for me, there's always a bit of a temptation to kind of spend more on the interiors than is strictly necessary. So I have to sort of try and rein myself in or, you know, be quite... (laughs) be quite careful about sort of you know getting some getting stuff that looks good but isn't necessarily sort of costing a fortune um because yeah i would probably kind of um sort of keep going and keep going on that side of things if i if i if it was someone else's money I would, it would be a nightmare a bit, uh, <laughs> no one no one should join venture with me on that basis you have a very expensive basket need to, yeah, yeah need to set you a very strict budget <laughs> i mean it's like like the weakness like things like tiles i mean do you know you were talking about it the first thing that came into my head was tiles because you can get spenny on tiles can't you yeah exactly like and, and some of those more expensive tiles are like so so nice so aren't sexy they? So, aren't they yeah i mean it's not everyone's sort of thing to get excited about tiles but yeah if i could i would go quite nuts on that okay you and i we've just discovered we live up the road from each other should we just grab a coffee when we're allowed out again and just have a whole discussion about tiles i love tiles yeah that's going to be a riveting conversation Uh, can i listen in yeah yeah if you go on a tile website and you rank price high to low which yeah does oh amazing (laughs) oh i'm with you oh i'm with you Uh, okay i think i'll start scrolling again (laughs) so whenever you're ready just shout stop stop oh builders Mm. episode six just the word builders or just the word builders that's that's the title of the episode so this was back in the day where we um were just coming up with ideas for us to talk around so uh, we had it we talked about our experiences with builders, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So uh, maybe if we were to clarify, can you think of one story or one event or one thing that sticks in your mind about dealing with builders? I'll be honest, I've been very lucky with the builders so far that I've used. I've actually used the same firm of builders so far. It's a bit boring, (laughs) isn't it? but I do get asked a lot. I do get asked a lot on, um, this is passing the buck a bit, but I do get asked a lot on uh, on social media about where to find builders. Yeah, that's something that I think a lot of people struggle with. And I was just yeah. fortunate that I got a good word of mouth recommendation up front. But sometimes it's quite difficult to get a word of mouth recommendation, particularly, you know, you think you're friends with someone and then you say, well, tell me about your builder. And, you know, they ghost you because basically no one wants to give up their builder's name. Yeah, um, yeah. So that can actually be quite difficult. I mean, I think the best piece of advice I've heard on that, although I haven't done it myself, is just walking around the local area and just walking into every building site you see and, you know, ask to speak to the boss. And if, you know, if, if, you, if you speak to somebody and they're a dick, then you walk on. And if you speak to somebody and they're nice, then you, you know, they might be your builder. So that seems to be like, I, I could see myself doing that. I think that these websites like Checker Trade and all of these huge directories, like, you type in the postcode and you get thousands of yeah. hits yeah. and it's, it's just overwhelming. You just don't know where to start. Um, and all the reviews look really fake and stuff. So mm-hmm. I don't know, I would, uh, that's probably, that's that would probably my sort of finding a builder tip, just be sort of pounding the streets in and around your, your area probably. A really yeah. good tip is to go to the builder's yard at 6am and sit and w- watch the bands that turn up. That's creepy. Uh, is that because some kind those... of voyeurism. <laughs> what sit there and then pounce on them when they get out to buy timber? That's a bit weird. Uh, no, well, you yeah, then because... follow them back to where they're working. <laughs> uh, yeah, because these these are the builders that actually um, are the ones that are on it. 
so if they're the, the first ones at the builder's yard in the morning they're the ones that um are, are definitely more proactive than the others oh so you, it's an observational exercise so you're just taking notes that they are taking their business seriously you're not actually approaching them uh well you, well, you can approach them if you want um or, or just grab the numbers from their van yeah i think i do that i just yeah. i just you know just a strange woman sat there in a car watching them as they collect their materials and then just going out and go haha i like you you're an early bird and they, no i look like a mad bird no i'd have to take their number then phone them i think yeah yeah okay I'll, I'll, i think you could probably get away with it jay if you any reckon? of us probably could yeah yeah I, I reckon you could get away with that joe <laughs> yeah okay i'll, I'll try it away, it's just the, the opening line you come here often oh my god <laughs> do you come here often yeah and please That's please say great. yes please say please say yes <laughs> you come here every morning roland i challenge you to try that and see how it goes well i'm not really an early bird myself so i wouldn't judge a builder who wasn't there at 6am to be honest <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't want to be there myself but anyway um no that's a, that's a pretty good tip i like that i like that mm. send someone yeah. else to do it for me yeah Cool. So I think we've probably got time for one more one quick more. fire. Um, one more spin the wheel. Roulette, I have yeah. to scroll very slowly because we're nearly at the bottom. <laughs> okay. You can go back up to the top. No, that's cheating. <laughs> okay, stop. <laughs> Joint ventures. Oh, oh yes. Um, yeah. 60 seconds on joint ventures. Not so. I have not done a joint venture myself so far. My thoughts on it are that. I think you've got to be, you know, very, very careful on on choosing the person that you joint venture with. So, you know, the concern would be that oftentimes as the developer, you know, you're doing it because you want somebody else to bring capital to it. But, you know, the money is going to be spent in the first few months when you're doing the project. And then the relationship is going to be going on for, you know, for quite some time. It depends on what the strategy is. Obviously, if you're flipping something, then, then no. But, you know, if it's to hold it together and run that together as a sort of, you know, a jointly owned business for a period of time, um, you know, that can get tricky when pe different people want to exit at different times or disagree on how much to reinvest, to keep the stand of the place up. Um, yeah, so I think that can be that can be quite um, that can be quite challenging. So I think I would be very happy to do it on a on a sort of an in out type deal. I think with a with something that's kind of to buy and hold, you've got yeah. to be really comfortable with that person and that you're going to be aligned. And even if you are, you know, your lives can change and your circumstances can change. And the reason that someone might want to sell it when you don't could be completely unpredictable in terms of something that's gone on in their life so or your own life so having an agreement that you know as far as it can sort of like protects you both and tries to cap you know put in place mechanisms by which you know those kind of problems could be unwound would be really important mm -hmm. that's pretty much what we said on the episode actually wasn't it it's, that's probably right i got it from to be fair yeah <laughs> <laughs> so roland's just summarized episode number one <laughs> um, in, in 60 seconds where we took like 45 minutes so, uh, <laughs> so you're true. you're our own personal blinkist. Oh, <laughs> no, it's true. Uh, yeah, no, I think we we all back you up on that one. It's um, it's a trust thing. It's a long term thing. It's a financial marriage. Get, go in with the right person. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, can we also just say, um, I really enjoyed your Instagram story recently, documenting your haircut. Yes, that was uh, that was good. Wasn't that it? It was good. So good. I was. You know, when you're like, <laughs> this is before, and you were like going through the thick the thick locks and then it was like after and the, you know that 
it was just I would flicked forward so quick because I wanted to see the result. Boy, it's yeah. good. Well, the funny thing is that so my wife actually prefers my hair longer. Oh. And she always gives me a hard time when I come back from the hairdresser saying, Oh, it's too short, it's too short. <laughs> but this time, because she did it, uh, she's praising it and saying it looks great. So uh, yeah, great <laughs> best haircut you've ever had. Yeah, exactly. Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well done her. She did an yeah. excellent job. But so, yeah. the uh, the markup on those clippers at the moment is uh is amazing. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. two and a half, three times actually versus what they're what they usually cost. They know what they're so, doing, um, don't they? If you can wait wait <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm holding it out i'm holding out yeah yeah i, I tried to go in I was, uh, last weekend yeah we, i was attempting to try and get my hair cut got everything ready uh got the clippers that i've got out already and then the the right size for, for being able to cut between like two two and five in length uh, is the one which is broken so um <laughs> oh no uh yeah so I, I would have had a number zero or number one all over oh my god um, or a number ten <laughs> which is probably what you got right now <laughs> yeah exactly so um yeah we're going Luckily, along i don't have this issue i'm fine now there was a time if you go back far enough on my facebook timeline you can see where i have my hair down to here um, oh really in my musician days he also used to have a beard out here it was enormous it's just yeah it was huge um yeah yeah no, that went with the ex-wife oh yes that's right <laughs> yeah she got that in the divorce <laughs> <laughs> love it love it <laughs> well on that note uh, i think we should probably uh, wrap up for today uh, thank you very much roland for um sharing your time with us and with That's our amazing. listeners and yeah. um so I'll, unless anyone wants to go any, anything they want to add no just thank no. you roland yeah it's a goodbye from me oh it's a goodbye from me sorry <laughs> so busy say, just say goodbye joe <laughs> just goodbye well, yeah it'd be a goodbye from me too then is it goodbye for me as well? I don't know. It's yeah. totally goodbye. Goodbye say goodbye. Come and jam with us on social media where you can hear more and see more. On Facebook, search Property Jam Podcast. Or you can follow us on Instagram at Property Jam Podcast. Or you can email us at Property Jam Podcast at Outlook.com. See, see you on the next, next episode. episode.